There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the Crossover Sports Illustrated's NBA show. Breaking down the latest news, rumors, and everything in between. Here's your host, Chris Mannix and Rohan Lodkarni. This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. I'm Chris Mannix. He is Rohan Nadkarni. Our first episode since the NBA trade deadline. Last episode before the All-Star break. And Rohan, I was debating, you know, hitting you up and saying, let's do a pod right after the trade deadline. But it just, I couldn't come up with a take, right? I didn't have any hot takes after the trade deadline. I didn't get all lathery over the Knicks taking a couple of bad sh- good shooters off a bad NBA team. Um, I didn't get uber excited about the Daniel Gafford, P.J. Washington acquisitions. Like I couldn't summon up the froth for Celtics adding <laughs> bench depth. Like I can't, I can't get giddy about the Hornets adding draft picks. Like you know, the trade deadline is one of the most compelling days of the year in the NBA. Always has been, but. You know, this one felt like a reshuffling of the deck chairs, man. This one felt like, all right, a couple of moves here and there. They make some sense. I see how some teams got better, but there wasn't a seismic deal. There wasn't any landscape-changing move. The teams that I thought were good before the deadline are the exact same teams I thought were good after the deadline. Yeah, Chris, I know that you're really dialed in on my Twitter, so I'm sure you caught this as I said it uh, the day of. But this this deadline was a volume shooter. It was like the Lou Williams of trade deadlines. It put up numbers in terms of volume of trades, but not like you said, just a lot of empty calories here. There was a lot of movement, not a lot of it uh, very exciting. I agree. I, I don't think we saw the landscape change much with this trade deadline. I do wonder if this is something that we have to get used to moving forward with the new CBA and how that's maybe affecting the way teams are operating. That's something to keep an eye on. Before we get into it, though, I have one quick question for you here, Chris. Because there's a little bit of an age gap between us. For me on Sunday during the Super Bowl halftime show, when Ludacris came out to perform his verse from Yeah, that was like a huge moment for me personally. I was like, are they going to bring Ludacris out? Is Ludacris going to come out? Are they going to finish this song? Right? I'm just curious 
if that moment resonated with you as well, or just no interest whatsoever. If you think I watched the halftime show, you don't know me well at all. Like I <laughs> do respect to Usher and Ludacris and Alicia Keys, who I heard yeah. was awesome as mm-hmm. well. And I heard there was mm-hmm. some controversy there. Swiss Beats is <laughs> coming for Usher. Like I, I mean, like I, I had the game on. I'm on the road now. Had the game on in the background when the halftime show went up. That's when my eyes went down for a minute. I okay. just, I don't, okay. I don't care. I, I'm sure it's great, and <laughs> I just, I just can't care. I, does, I know that's good to know. It's does, just another data point does, in the life of Chris Mannix. I'm glad I know that me. now. Um, so just, let, let's unpack a couple of things that happened uh, on the deadline. Um, look, I, I thought Dallas did have a good day. You know, I think they gave up a lot to get PJ Washington, Daniel Gafford. They forked over some draft capital to make those deals happen, but. They needed another kind of springy center to compliment Derek Lively and, as he's doing now, replace him. And look, the two games I've seen Daniel Gafford play, we have 19-17 in one game and another double-double in another, 27 points in another. Like He looks like a round-peg, round-hole type of fit for this Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving-led team. And P.J. Washington, fine, athletic defender. I do think they had to get away from Grant Williams. It wasn't working in Dallas. Um, you know, Grant had some, you know, there was a person, there was some personality conflicts between Grant and some staffers on that team, coaches on that team. Um, and he just wasn't, more importantly, he wasn't the defender they thought he was going to be. They thought they were getting kind of a three and D defender. They didn't get that from Grant Williams. So they get off of him. They bring in PJ Washington. I, I don't know if it pushes. Dallas into the upper tier of the Western Conference. Certainly with Luka and Kyrie, you can beat anyone offensively, but I still don't know if they have the defensive depth to to beat a Denver, to beat a Clippers team, even to beat Oklahoma City in the playoffs. I mean, I I, I think they improved, but I don't think it pushed them into that upper tier, which is where this team needs to be. For sure. I, you know, I did winners and losers the next day after the deadline, and I think for Dallas, I actually had a push. Because, I, I I mean, I like the Gafford pickup. Is he leading the league in field goal percentage this year? He's been really solid for the Wizards. He's kind of a rim runner type guy, as you mentioned. The P.J. Washington, Grant Williams thing's really interesting to me, Chris, because I thought Grant was a perfect fit for them on paper in the summer. It was one of my favorite signings. Like you mentioned, the defense hasn't quite been there. Um, at, at times, he's not necessarily been a willing shooter, and you alluded to the personality fit hasn't been there. I mean, there's reports. I think it was Tim McMahon who had that he stopped wearing Luca's shoes and switched to Jason Tatum's. Um, and, you know, that was kind of Grant's reputation coming out of Boston, right? Someone who could kind of wear on the coaches a little bit, wear on the players a little bit. But I really like P.J. Washington. I think he's individually more talented than Grant Williams. But he's at like 32% from three this year. Um, I think he's a good offensive player, but on paper, I don't know that he brings them what they need. Uh, they didn't need another individual offensive talent, which I think is what P.J. Washington is. I don't think he is at his best the defender Grant Williams is. At his best, he's not the shooter Grant Williams is. So I'm curious to see if maybe just putting him around great talent and Luka and Kyrie is kind of what unlocks him, lives up to his potential. I think everyone I talk to likes him as a player. I like him as a player, but... Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that they made nice moves. But you look at the draft capital they've given up now for the next four years between the Kyrie trade, between the maneuvering they did for Grant. In many ways, they're kind of all in on this build for a team that is consistently in the bottom half of the Western Conference. Yeah, it, it's got a ceiling. And I, 
you to, you got to win the NBA, you got to get stops. And they're not going to get defensive stops from their backcourt. Uh, they've got another guy up front to protect them in Gafford, but you can't play Gafford and Derek Lively together, not with Luke and Kyrie on the floor. You need floor spacers. So more Maxi Kleber and, you know, again, protection in case Lively's not ready, you know, for a postseason series. Gafford's got more experience. I actually was surprised that Washington gave up on him. He's got two years left on his deal at manageable money. I thought that was kind of crazy to just walk away from a young guy like that. But, you know, Washington, now, Hardaway, like, there's no stoppers there. There's no guys that get stops. And ultimately, that's what, you know, you, you can't outscore your way to success in the NBA. You've got to play defense. I think the Nuggets were, you know, were they like one of the worst defensive teams in terms of rating to win a championship in recent years. But even them in the playoffs, they were fourth in defensive rating. Mm-hmm. So they turned it up. I, I don't think Dallas can turn it up. So I, I they're a little bit more than just rearranging the deck chairs. Um, but I don't think they got them to the next level. And I, I don't know, man. I, I don't. I didn't see anything else that that jumped off the page. I mean, I know Knicks fans were giddy about getting Boyan and getting Alec Burks back. And okay, all right, great. I think the <laughs> you know the Knicks like I've read those stuff. Like the Knicks have nine, ten guys they can play now. Like a Tibbs ain't playing nine, ten guys. B when you get to the postseason, you play like seven anyway. So it, that right. what what that team needed or needs is Jalen Brunson to be the best player on the floor in some of these series and Julius Randle to be in like the top three of the best of the players on the floor. And we won't know the answer to that until we get there. I'm, I'm concerned too Can about, I, I'm concerned too about the OG Ananobi injury. Like yeah. that, that is to have I a mean, procedure. I mean, the knock on, on him has been, I think injuries. That procedure is bad. Can I advocate for the Knicks a little bit here? Um, well, first of all, let me say this. I think you're right. Like the depth is going to be a little bit, overstated come playoff time but i do think what they have now that they haven't had in the past is flexibility and that's why i really like the bogdanovich pickup because i mean it gives them an option do they want to play randall at center do they plan to play randall with another big if randall is having one of his playoff no-shows i think you can play hart ananobi and bogdanovich together on the wing in a playoff series and bogdanovich is not a great defender uh he's not even a good one necessarily but he has size i think he's smart and I think he can survive better than other scorers of, of his talent level. And he's an incredibly efficient scorer. Um, you know, over 40% from three uh, for a couple of seasons in a row now. He's been really good on that end of the floor. And his life should only be easier playing off Jalen Brunson, OG, and Anobi. So I really like what they did in terms of a flexibility standpoint. You know, they can go really big on the wing. They can go small. Uh, that's going to be an important in the East where you kind of have to play up against the Bucks and maybe a little bit smaller against the Celtics. So I think if you combine the Ananobi and Bogdanovich traits together, especially considering they haven't given up any of their firsts, um, you know, can still kind of go hunting for more pieces this summer. I think they've done a really good job. I, I mean, I'm with you. It's going to come down to Brunson, you know, obviously Ananobi's health. Can Brunson continue to do what he's done this year? Um, I'm really interested to see Randall though, because we've, we've seen him before put up an all NBA season and then come playoff time. It's not there, but uh, I, I'm pretty excited about the moves they've made, to be honest. I mean, look, it's great, right? If if you need to have your ninth man or your seventh man replaced by your ninth man. Now you've got a ninth man mm-hmm. that can play in a postseason series, but it ultimately is going to come down to Brunson mm-hmm. being in the postseason what he is in the regular season. It's going to come down to Julius Randle not laying another egg in the playoffs as he's done, you know, 
for several years now. So the, that to me is what it comes down to. I feel the same way about Boston's deals too. Like I, I had advocated for the Celtics to do exactly what they did. They needed veterans, you know, coming off that bench. They didn't need a bunch of guys that they were just trying out there. Two-way contract guys, younger guys. They get Xavier Tillman, who I think is another body you can throw at Giannis in the playoffs. He's a pretty sturdy defender. You get Jaden Springer, who can't shoot a lick, but... Yeah, he's another versatile defender that you could potentially throw at a Bucks team, um, you know, with Damian Lillard and Chris Middleton in the playoffs. Uh, I'm, again, I was a little surprised that Philadelphia's offloaded him. Like, they got some other pieces, it's namely. Really interesting move. It's yeah, and to like, Boston, I, I, of all places as well. I was listening to Daryl Morey's press conference, and Daryl's like, you know, maybe it'll turn out to be a mistake. We'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. We thought the, the second-round pick would be uh, more value for us. But Springer can defend, and you get him in with a, sh- with a shooting coach, and, and all of a sudden, you know, he unlocks that part of his game. He's a rotation player in the NBA. He's like a guy we're going to talk about in a minute, Isaac Okoro. You know, a good defensive player who's turned himself into a a valuable two-way player because he can shoot the basketball now. So all it takes is one offseason for a guy like Springer to uh, to turn up. The team that I thought was interesting, though, and, and I wrote about them on Friday, as always, Los Angeles Lakers, who stood pat and did nothing. Um, to me, the right thing. They, they didn't have a deal, right? Like, you had one first-round draft pick to move. You had D'Angelo Russell and that contract to move. Um, I, I wouldn't have done it for Bruce Brown. That didn't make any sense to me. That's not high enough value to get back in return. Um, I saw a lot of people surprised Atlanta didn't offload DeJounte Murray. Have you not followed Atlanta over the last few <laughs> years? Like, look up, you know, Google Collins, comma, John and trade yeah. and see and see how many years Atlanta held on to him without dealing him. So it surprised me not one bit that Atlanta held on to DeJounte Murray. Um, and, and the Lakers didn't have the the offer to make for him anyway. The, the Hawks gave up three first-round draft picks to get DeJounte Murray a couple of years ago. They weren't trading him for one pick unless that one pick came with Austin Reeves, and the Lakers, rightfully, were not going to do that. So, look, I, I don't know how LeBron is going to ultimately react to all this. Uh, Lakers are playing pretty good right now, but I, I thought Rob Palenka did the absolute right thing in in not dealing away the one asset that he had and leaving himself with options this summer when the Lakers could have as many as three first-round picks to deal. Yeah, I mean, and we certainly, we've seen that reporting now from multiple people. You know, I'm sure the Lakers made sure that word got out there that they'll have three first-round picks to trade this summer and they plan to be aggressive with it. I mean, I do think Spencer Dinwiddie as a buyout pickup is about as best as you could hope for. Okay, hold on, hold on. Can we just stipulate that buyout guys never do anything? They don't. They never do anything. It's always so much more hype than substance. I agree. I agree. But two things I'll add here. One, Kevin Love had a little bit of success for the Heat last year. He's back this year. Um, I also think Dinwiddie, well, you, like you think about when he joined Dallas um, a couple years ago, and, and it wasn't really a you know a hyped uh, acquisition by them when they got him. Obviously, they ended up moving him for Kyrie, but he had his moments during that playoff run, and he was a better shooter playing off Luka than he was uh, during his Nets career. So, you know, I, I think, listen, my point being, getting him as kind of your quote-unquote deadline pickup when you don't actually have to trade anything is solid work. Uh, I do wonder if they'll maybe regret not doing Reeves in a first for DeJounte Murray. I mean, and listen, I like Austin Reeves a lot. I think he's a good player. I do think DeJounte is better. He's not quite the shooter that Reeves is, uh, but he gives them more size. Um, I think he's a better defender. I think there's an argument there. I wouldn't necessarily argue it strongly, 
they're just in a weird spot, man. They're in a weird spot because I think we're in agreement. They did the right thing last offseason bringing these guys back. It just hasn't worked. And I think Russell is someone who's going to be a better trade chip next year when that contract, I think, uh, becomes easier to move. Uh, I believe it's a team option the last year, so it's actually an expiring. But, I mean, they're just kind of stuck, to be honest, it, it is how I feel about the Lakers. Is it, They've gotten the healthy LeBron and ADs this season. They brought everyone back. It just hasn't worked. There was no magic pill for them this year. Look, the Lakers' playoff success is going to hinge on two things. One is a return to health by mid-April. You've got Jared Vanderbilt out for at least a month. Gabe Vincent probably going to be back some point after the All-Star break. Mm -hmm. They need those two guys to come back and be rotation players. They need Vanderbilt's defense. They need Vincent's defense and shooting and him being the Mm -hmm. guy he was for Miami last year. They need that. They also need this D'Angelo Russell renaissance to continue. I mean, Russell has been just all all NBA level since January 1st. Like 20-plus <laughs> points per game, shooting well over 40% from three since January 1st. He has been awesome. He has looked like an all-star you know, since then. But he's looked that way in the past at times. Not the first time we've seen a D'Angelo Russell tear. Uh, maybe this is a bit longer than the ones we've seen, but we've seen this type of stuff in the past. He's got to be that guy in the playoffs. He can't disappear like he did in that Nuggets series. He has got to be a a... a an efficient shooter, a reasonable defender, a playmaker. He's got to be all the things he's been over the last month and a half. If he can be, don't count this Lakers team out, especially if they went up like Oklahoma City in the first round or you know some other team that uh, has less experience that they could potentially beat. Well, my question for you is because we've seen this in the past with LeBron teams where smart management doesn't necessarily coincide with what is best for LeBron? You know, think about that last year in Cleveland. They didn't trade uh, that pick that turned out to be number eight, and they got Colin Sexton with it. You know, LeBron wanted them to move it. Do you run the risk of alienating him? What if he's already lost belief in this team? I mean, he was not exactly giving the most reassuring comments leading up to the deadline. He was basically like, well, this is what we got. Um, do you Are you worried at all about a risk of, you know, not LeBron checking out, but not necessarily having belief that this group can get it done. Uh, well, yeah, look, I do. But I do think LeBron is going to maintain that intensity until all the guys get back. And that's going to push you into mid to late March at the earliest. I, mean, I don't know what Vanderbilt's situation is. They're, they're speaking optimistically. People behind the scenes I talk to are a little bit less optimistic about his ability to to bounce back from this foot injury this season. And look, Gabe Vince has only played like five games this year, so it's hard it's to... It's kind of roughing him, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's hard to know what you're going to get when he comes back. But I think LeBron will still be LeBron throughout. And then you reconvene in the offseason. Look, I, I think all things being equal, LeBron would like to stay in L.A. His family is entrenched there. and He's got a superstar teammate that he likes. And if he decides he wants to be in L.A., the Lakers can do something big next summer. Like, you can package, you know, two first-round picks, and Russell's contract to get DeJounte Murray next summer. I think that's realistic if you're the Lakers. Just that right now, you're just crossing your fingers and hoping that the things that are going wrong internally go right um, over the next uh, couple of weeks. Do we know if Jared Vanderbilt has seen the LeBron James defeat? It feels like his first visit... Should have been to the LeBron James defeat. Now, the second time you've regurgitated your Twitter feed here uh, on the podcast. Uh, So you are paying attention. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Well done. There we go. (laughs) 
there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we have to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are the best story in the NBA right now. They are sitting in second place in the Eastern Conference, just behind Boston. They have won 17 of their last 19 games, almost 18 of their last 19 games after completing, nearly completing, just a ridiculous rally at the end of that game against Philadelphia. Uh, 22 and 5. I'm going to read some of the numbers here. 22 and 5 in their last 27 games dating back to December 16th. That's the best winning percentage in the NBA over that span. They are tied for the fourth best winning percentage in the NBA. Second best, I said, in the East. Best record in the NBA since mid-December. And they are being led by Donovan Mitchell, who's averaging career highs in points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. Um, I am one of the... Uh, voters that Tim Bontemps of ESPN harasses on uh, a <laughs> thrice yearly basis. And I wanted to put Donovan Mitchell in that top five. I really did. I got really close to putting him in that top five. He's one of only two players this season, averaging 28, 5, 6, and with one and a half steals. The other is the guy that is in my top five. That's Shea Gildas Alexander. Donovan Mitchell has the best plus minus per game in the NBA at 8.7. So when he's on the floor, the Cavs are really freaking good. They have been really freaking good for a long time now. So I'll kind of put it out to you like this. What is going on in Cleveland right now? Chris, they've been fantastic, and I'm part of the problem because I think this team deserves way more recognition for what they've done. I mean, you mentioned that record, 22-5 and five over the last 27. A big chunk of that came with Evan Mobley and Darius Garland out. Uh, this team, their number one used lineup this year is without those two guys. It's with Dean Wade, it's with Isaac Okoro, it's with Max Struess, Jared Allen, and Donovan Mitchell. That lineup has been fantastic. A lead on both ends of the floor. A 19.6 net rating uh, for that group. No one saw that coming uh, this season. Uh, they've been fantastic. You mentioned Mitchell. I mean, he's been playing out of his mind. Jared Allen, 
who had, you know, he was memed this summer after he said maybe the lights were too bright in that playoff series. All he's done is come back and play at an all-star level, was the anchor of that defense with Mobley out. I mean, you look at that lineup, uh, guys not necessarily known for what they do defensively. I mean, I do think Dean Wade has been really good and making people learn, but, you know, Allen's been the anchor of that unit. Uh, they've been fantastic. I think Mitchell and Allen have really kind of established themselves as the two best players on this team. They're really good. I mean, I, I mentioned I'm part of the problem because I get a, I get on Twitter, I get on this podcast, I get on other podcasts, I talk about how good the Knicks have been, how much I loved what they did at the deadline. Cleveland's ahead of them. And think about people like Jalen Brunson, mayor of New York, just kind of the hype um, around that team. Cleveland's been better. And they they have such a good defense. You know, people are always complaining, oh, like no team can play defense anymore. That's not true about Cleveland. I think they're second overall in the league, defensive efficiency. Yep. Uh, this, this is a defense that stands the test of time. I think they're fantastic. I thought when they made the Mitchell trade, this was a team that that had the potential to get the, to make a conference finals with him. This is even better than I thought they would be, um, and especially what they've done with the injuries. I, I'm incredibly impressed, and they are not being taken seriously at all in a way that that they should feel disrespected. Yeah, and look, some of the things that have made the Cavaliers successful have come out of nowhere, right? They are all of a sudden a high-volume three-point shooting team. Sam Merrill, who no one could have picked out of a lineup before this season, is shooting 44% from three. Craig Porter Jr., who nobody had expectations for coming into this year, has been a key part of their rotation. I mentioned Isaac Okoro. Like, when Darius Garland went down, that was considered a body blow for uh, for Cleveland. Isaac Okoro, all he's done is come in shot 38.5% from three, and played the sturdy defense that they've need from, needed from him at that swing position. And now, instead of having kind of a smallish backcourt, the Cavs have been able to deploy a biggish backcourt, you know, with Mitchell and with Okoro back there. Max Struess getting minutes um, in that backcourt and wing position as well. So, you know... They've they've done they've gotten a lot from a lot of different guys, a lot of diversity from their game. Jared Allen has stepped up and he's been awesome, all star caliber player all year long. I think the question look, I, I, last year I'm kind of pivoting all over the place now, but last year <laughs> when Cleveland got hot midseason, I went to Cleveland. I did a magazine story on Donovan Mitchell, his impact on that team, how they I don't want to say rewarded me, but how they they showed up in the playoffs was. That they failed, right? And they weren't ready. And so the next series wasn't close. No. And, and the question I, I then have is like, are, are things different? Because it's still a lot of the same players on that team. It's still the same coaching staff. Um, Donovan Mitchell's still the star. Darius Garland's back, and he's been really good since he's been back. Um, are things different with this team? Are, are they better equipped for a postseason run this year than they were last year? Listen, that's obviously the million-dollar question. And I, here's what I'd say to that. Two things. I mean, you mentioned two of the guys. Like, Okoro was someone who was getting played off the court in that Knicks series and was a big reason why the Cavs weren't able to score. If he's willing to shoot and he's shooting it at the clip that he's shooting this year, that makes a material difference for them. If Jared Allen is the guy who we've seen during this regular season, that makes a difference for them. And I, I do think that they – I think that was a humbling playoff defeat for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And what I respect and what I love what I'm seeing from them this season is the guys who took it the worst, the guys who took it on the chin, Okoro, Allen, they've come back and been better. And that's what you want to see. So that's why I think I have some faith in them. And 
I'm at the point now, Chris, like, I really hope Donovan Mitchell resigns here because this is a good team. It's an exciting team. And that's, I think that's part of the reason why no one wants to talk about them. Like, once people found out that they were good and Donovan Mitchell wasn't getting traded, it's like all of a sudden they became uninteresting. Um, you know, if this team makes the conference finals, that'd be the furthest Mitchell's gone in his playoff career. Why wouldn't he want to stay here? Um, if they're able to keep this core together, I know it's going to get expensive. I know. Evan Mobley, we haven't really talked about him much, maybe hasn't taken the leap a lot of us expected, and I do think they're going to have to make some tough decisions with Mobley and Allen come playoff time, but they're built better for it this year, and yeah, I I, I hope Mitchell stakes. I think they have something special going on here, and I think the guys that had an issue in the playoffs last year, they've come back better. They have come back better. Um, you mentioned Mobley, and I think the biggest problem with him, obviously, is that he has not developed into a reliable perimeter shooter though this month he's been really good look at some of them 58.3 percent from three uh not at a small insignificant number either he's averaging a couple threes per game he, he's got to get better at that for for them to continue to deploy a lineup with jared allen and uh, evan mobley there in the front court so you can't have two guys that are not floor spacers so mobley's gonna have to get better in that respect this is gonna be I think a referendum on this unit this year. If they get to the second round, look, they get to the second round and lose to like Boston. Let's say that happens. You can't knock that, right? Boston's ready. Boston mm-hmm. championship team. But if they get beat in the first round again, a lot's gonna probably gonna have to change with this team. And I'm like, I'm not so sure it would mean that Donovan Mitchell would go. In fact, I, I'm I'm of the belief that Donovan Mitchell's going to stay. And I'm not basing that on any conversations I've had with him, but like, you look at around the potential Donovan Mitchell suitors, right? Like, is he... He's not going to go to the Knicks. The Knicks, I think they realize that they can't win with Brunson and Mitchell in their backcourt. Like, that's too small to to mm-hmm. succeed, even if those guys are really good offensively. Um, is he going to go to the Lakers? Like, do the Lakers make a big off for him this summer if if the Cavs put on the table? I've, I think the only way he goes to the Lakers is if LeBron goes back home a second time. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess he could. Like, he could go mm-hmm. there. I mean, you could put together a package of Russell three firsts and, you know, recoup some of the draft capital you gave away when you went after him. But I, I don't I don't know. Like, does Orlando make a play for him? No, because he's not going to re-sign there. Like, you have limited options with Donovan Mitchell. If I'm Mitchell and this team gets the second round, and I get a max-level offer, I'm taking it, man. I'm taking it. I deal with the fallout later. You can always ask for a trade you know, later on if uh, if it doesn't work where, out. Where do you have the Cavs right now, if I have to put you on the spot a little bit? like, Do you see conference finals potential with them? Do you see them making the second round? Where, where do you have them in the pecking order of the East? I, I think it's probably going to be them and Milwaukee in the second round. And mm. I think they match up okay with Milwaukee. Um you know, I think I, that'd be a fun and interesting series. Yeah, I mean, look, you've got, you know, you, you know, you don't have a tough time defending Dame. That's that's for sure. You've got some guys that you can throw, some bodies you can throw at Giannis. Um, although he just run over uh, <laughs> Evan Mobley at this point. Um, and, and the Bucks are still very much in flux, right? They had a great game on Monday against Denver, but they're still trying to figure themselves out. Um, Th- I, that to me is going to be the referendum. Like they get to the conference finals, I think Boston's going to kick their ass. I just do. I think they're not ready for for that yet. But can they beat a Bucks team which made a coaching change at midseason, which has some questions it's trying to answer internally? Maybe those questions will be answered by you know mid May. But um, right now, that's the matchup I'm most interested. in. If they wind up two three facing each other in the second round, I'm I'm fascinated by that matchup. Yeah. 
I do think any team in the East besides Milwaukee and Boston that makes the conference finals, it's a huge successful season for them. And I'm also of the opinion I think Boston is like a heavy, heavy, heavy favorite uh, to win the East. But yeah, man, I, I think a Cleveland-Milwaukee series, if that started today, I don't know who I'm picking. I, I'm not feeling great about Milwaukee there just based on what we've seen over the last 30, 40 games or so. Well, because the Bucks would have the same problem with Cleveland's backcourt that Cleveland would have with Milwaukee's yeah. backcourt. Like, there are no stoppers there. Um, mm-hmm. I saw Pat Bev getting some minutes um, <laughs> last night in Milwaukee. Okay. Like, I'm not sure he's going to do – he's going to be able to slow down, uh, you know, Mitchell, Garland, those guys. Um, and, and, look, it comes down to can Okoro make the same shots in the playoffs he's making in the regular season? He has mm-hmm. been great mm-hmm. over the last month, month and a half, filling in for Darius Garland. Uh, can he be that same guy? In the postseason, because he's a huge weapon if he can, because he can go out there and he can play against a Chris Middleton. He can play some minutes probably against Damian Lillard. Like you can do a lot with a guy like that if he's able to make shots. But uh, that's that's a fascinating second round series. That's one of the more fascinating ones, um, I think, that are out there. All right, short episode this week, but we'll be back next week. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on the crossover feed. Keep reading over at si.com. We'll see you next week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.